Good morning. It is emotional watching people get baptized. I'm going to be uh, baptizing my daughter in September. And I was like, if I'm crying watching everyone else, I'm going to be a mess. Oh, my goodness. So, it, but it's a beautiful thing. VBS was so full of joy. Uh, baptism, so full of joy. What a great week we've been having here at Cornerstone. It's good to be back from vac- the vacation that I didn't earn. Um, we, got, we went to New Jersey to see my family, and so the kids love it. They've got tons of little cousins, so they do a cousin sleepover. They're staying over at grandma's house, and we're eating all the good food we want to eat over there. It was a great vacation, but I had one massive fail, massive. I, we were trying to pack all of our luggage in one suitcase instead of two, like normal, to make it easier to travel. And so I told my wife, I, I can contribute to this because I have a theory that I did in college successfully called the disposable travel theory. And so you just look at your clothes and you look at your t-shirts. There's always a couple t-shirts you want to throw out. You just bring the stuff you want to throw out, the socks, underwear, t-shirts, the jeans with the holes in them. You look terrible the whole trip. Any photo you're in, you look just really disheveled. But then every day you just throw it out and then you come back with less stuff. And so um, I was doing this and we were in DC and I'm throwing out clothes um, you know, before we got to Jersey. And a friend of mine at a cornerstone in New Jersey uh, texted me and said, could you teach for me in two days? And I was like, well, are you, I don't know. And, he, and, he, and he's like, it would really be an answer to prayer. And I'm like, well, I can, but... And so I had to find... Uh, my, my jeans were okay, and my shirt was fine. It just was kind of riding up a little high. It wasn't, really, it wasn't really as long as I wanted it to be. But I had these quiet, cool, whole house air conditioner fan flip-flops that I was wearing and I just, I'm not buying shoes to bring back to, you know, so I wore those and I was introduced as welcome Pastor Andy and his feet. <laughs> so that's why I'm wearing long sleeves today. I'm still kind of traumatized by what I did to that poor church with how I looked when I was preaching. Listen, we're in our crazy happy series uh, here at the church. I love what Pastor Aaron Crane and Pastor Ron Baum have been sharing the past few weeks that, that God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be happy, but we look for happiness in all the wrong places. Right? We, we just look for it where the world says we'll be happy and where our flesh says we're going to be happy. On this vacation, we were walking on a boardwalk with another family, a lot of kids, and I heard the kids start saying, well, let's look for money on the boardwalk. Let's look for money. I'm not sure where they got the idea that there's money on the boardwalk, but uh, they're, they're walking around. So I take a dollar bill out, crumple it up, and just roll it ahead of them. And Titus is the only one looking. He goes, I found money. So now they're looking for money everywhere. They're just running all over the boardwalk. And I let it play out for about 10 minutes before I told them it wasn't, you didn't really find money. I was the one that had that. They were looking for money in the wrong places. They needed to come to me if they wanted. I wasn't going to give it to them. I only had $5 bills after that, so they weren't getting anything else besides that $1 bill. But they were looking in the wrong places, and it's what we do when it comes to looking for a satisfying and happy life. We say, well, this feels good, so I should do that. Or the world says, this is where happiness is, so I should do that. And the, it's, it's really confusing, because even the Bible will tell you that sin is described as a passing pleasure. And so, yes, there will be a a temporary pleasure, but not lasting joy, not deep satisfaction, not peace in our lives. And so as we look at these last four Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five, we don't want to miss it because God is telling us that a blessed life comes in unexpected but clearly announced places. And so it's, it's paradoxical. It's like flipped upside down when we look at what will actually make us happy But even though it's unexpected, Jesus is clearly announcing where this joy can be found. So Matthew chapter five, if you have the church app, you can open it up and follow along. But Matthew chapter five, 
verse seven, Jesus says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy, right? And so those that extend mercy to others are promised that they will receive mercy from God. And this one kind of makes sense. You're like, yeah, I think, I think being merciful will lead to happiness because the opposite is being judgmental and shaming people and holding stuff against people for your whole life. And like that doesn't, that seems stressful and full of anxiety. And Jesus is saying, blessed are the merciful. Now, one of the best ways to understand what mercy, what mercy actually means is to look at it in connection with the word justice and grace. And so we're going to put that on the screen here. Mercy compared to justice and grace. Justice is when you give somebody what they deserve. And it feels good if we're honest. When somebody crosses a line with you, they sin against you, and you respond with, you know, with anger and frustration and letting them know how wrong it is, right? It, fe it feels good temporarily to respond like that in our flesh, right? And then we feel guilty and we regret what we have said. Now, now justice is important. Justice still means that, that consequences need to play out regardless if we're merciful. And so justice is a part of being made in the image of God. And so it would be, it would be wrong for a court judge to say, yeah, I'm going to choose to be merciful in this moment with this. I mean, then you're not really letting justice play out for whoever was offended. But in our case, we have a, we have a different scenario because we can allow justice to play out because it already has. Right? Justice happened when Jesus died on the cross. And so justice is when people get what they deserve. Mercy is when you, you don't give somebody what they deserve. Right? They really deserve this, but you choose. You're calmed by the Holy Spirit. You bite your tongue. You take a moment and you don't give them what they deserve. You choose to be merciful in that moment. Again, some consequences need to play out for a safe society. There needs to be, you know, it's how you learn lessons. But are you choosing to extend mercy? And then grace is when you give somebody what they don't deserve. That person who you would never in a million years choose to bless is the one that you bless, even though they don't deserve it. They haven't treated you the right way, right? And you choose to bless them. All of these are important terms in the Bible. Normally with, with mercy, we think of injustice. And so the real question is, how do you overlook injustice to extend mercy? How do you overlook injustice? Well, the, something's wrong with the question, right? Because you don't overlook injustice. You first look to the cross. That's how you can even start to process all of this. It's not overlooking and dismissing sin and pain that's been caused against you and society under the rug. No, you first look to what happened to Jesus on the cross. And you realize whatever this person did to me or my family has already been paid for by Jesus. The best thing for their growth could be letting the consequences play out. But in my heart, I need to choose to extend mercy even when I'm the one that has been offended. We first look to the excruciating pain that happened to Jesus on the cross and realize I don't have to further give this person pain with my words and, and my actions because that pain has already been paid for, that, that sin has been paid for at the cross. And so if we're gonna give out mercy, we need to realize we've received a lot of mercy from the Lord. The only reason any of us are here is because God is merciful to us. I think King David is a great example of someone who, who extended mercy and then received mercy like this beatitude is saying. Think of David before he was king, when Saul, the king, was jealous of him because everyone's singing praises to David even though Saul's king, 
But David killed Goliath. He's out there, you know, slaughtering the enemies of God. And everyone's like, this is our warrior. And, and Saul gets so angry, he throws a spear at David, not once, but twice, causing David to flee. And then he, does, he doubles down on it. He takes all the army chasing after, not the enemies of God, but after David because of covetousness. So David spends months, it seems like even a few years, running from Saul, even though he is guiltless. And then one day, David and his men are hiding in a deep part of a cave, and Saul comes into that cave by himself to go to the bathroom. Yeah, the Bible's got some cool stories in it. He, he comes in there to go to the bathroom, and I'm not sure if the robe was on him or if he put the robe behind him or something, but, but David's men said, today is the day the Lord has brought him here so we could kill him and end all this. And David snuck up, but he didn't kill him. He cut off the corner of his robe. And when Saul left, he came out of the cave and said, look how close I was to you, but I didn't kill you because I am innocent. I'm not actually against you. You're against me. He extended Saul mercy. And then later in life, when David, like all of us, was in a situation where, you know, he's just distracted away from God, he doesn't even want to go out with the armies and do his thing as king and go and battle the enemies of God. He sends them to do that. And he's just walking around the palace and he ends up committing the sin of adultery with Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, freaks out, the whole thing's gonna get caught, and so he, he has Uriah killed so that he can secretly marry Bathsheba, and he thinks he covered it all up until the Lord caught him. And when the Lord caught him through Nathan the prophet, what deserved to be happened, justice would be that David would be executed for the sin of adultery and murder. That's what justice would be. But God was merciful to David because David had previously extended mercy and used to have this heart of God that he would extend to other people. There's obviously still consequences to such a horrific action, right? And so because of that, David experienced pain the rest of his life, even though he was spared. His own son would chase him out of the kingdom because of that action. There was mercy, but there were still consequences to what happened. And when we extend mercy, the cycle of blessing goes on and on to other people. So practically, Mercy forgives the guilty. We come to a place of forgiveness in our hearts so we don't hold on to bitterness and we can experience joy and peace. Mercy has compassion for the hurting. Those that are suffering, when you walk by and you see someone struggling and suffering, you don't choose to continue to harden your heart. You figure out, how can I be merciful in this situation? You can be merciful towards somebody's character by not slandering and gossiping them. Right, but instead thinking the best of them, even when all the situation and what you're hearing leads you to believe that you shouldn't think the best, you choose to give them the benefit of the doubt. Being merciful is being gentle to those that sin outwardly. We don't have to be the judge that brings down the hammer on them. We have to realize there's a lot of sin inward, inwardly, right, that people are dealing with. The majority of it is inward sin. So when someone sins on the outside, we don't have to be the one that comes and makes sure they know just how bad they are. And, and we should be merciful to those that make mistakes. They're mistakes. Sometimes we can be just as angry at an accident or a mistake when God wants us to be merciful. So we were coming back from our New Jersey vacation. We had about a three hour, two to three hour rain delay. Wasn't that bad. We've experienced much worse in the past. We, we handled that okay, passed that test. And we got from the plane to New Jersey to California, but we're landing at 10.30 p.m., which feels like, what, 1.30 in the morning, Jersey time. So the kids, we're just begging them to stay awake and walk with us. And Shannon's dad was so kind to say, I'll come and pick you up at 10.30 at night in LA. And so we're so thankful. The kids and Shannon are kind of behind me in the crowd. And I, I went to go meet the car with some luggage. 
And he's such a gracious man that he goes, let me, let me pull up and make room for the cars behind me. So I'm, I'm walking for like 20 feet, kind of laughing, thinking we are really, we are really focused on those other cars instead of, instead of getting us home. And we get there. And so I, I'm about to start knocking to say, open the trunk. And this is our car he's driving. He's not used to it. And the car starts backing up. And so I'm, then I start banging on him like, hey, 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 can I have my luggage? And I'm banging on the door. He had put the car, he thought in park, but by accident put it in reverse. And then he dropped something. So he was down looking, thinking the car was in park, looking for that. It was, it was backing up on, on his son-in-law. So you can imagine the relationship we have that he would try and do this to me. And so, but I, I start banging on the door and I've got the 20 feet. He pulled up and the crowd starts yelling at him. And I'm like, hey, hey. And finally I have to jump out of the way and he hits the car behind us. And obviously this is my car. This is my life. This is, and, and everyone is just all amped up. And, and so I have a lot of adrenaline going. And so we sort things out. And here's really what happened when it comes to mercy. God was merciful because I, I didn't get hit or crushed and nobody else did. That car stayed straight the entire time it backed up. God was merciful. The other driver was merciful. They said, it looks like it's just a license plate dent. I think we're okay. Let's get your information, but I think we're okay. And they ended up keeping it away from insurance. They were merciful. Andy was, Andy, Andy, Andy had a lot of adrenaline. And so I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, so we, we settle that for 15 minutes, we pull away and I'm, I'm driving home and all these thoughts are flooding my mind and some thoughts that weren't very merciful. And, and there was a thought I had that I'm like, oh, this would really make sure he knew just how bad what he did was. This person who's only ever been good to me, gave me his daughter to marry, right? Only ever been good towards me. And I crossed the line and I said it. And I said, you know, thank God. So you make it like sound like holy because you're a pastor when you sin. <laughs> Thank God the kids weren't with me. They were kind of stuck in the crowd or else they could have been run over. And so I'm saying something that all of you might say, well, that, yeah, well, yeah, you know, you have adrenaline and that makes, yeah, thank God, right? But his response showed me that I was being sinful. He said, well, if you're trying to make me feel worse than I already am, it's working. I'm like, ah, I shouldn't have said it. I knew I shouldn't have said it. The Holy Spirit's like, I told you 10 times not to say it. I'm like, no. I, I chose not to be merciful in that situation. I got out, I'm, I'm filling the car up uh, with gas. I put the car in park when I did that. And so I'm filling the car up with gas and the Holy Spirit was just showing me like, this is your father-in-law. This is an accident. He's only ever been good and generous towards you. And so I got back in the car and I tried to blame it on adrenaline at first. And then I stopped myself and said, no, it's sin. It's sin in my heart that shows me to want to hurt you because of, of what was going on. And I apologized. He cut my apology short because he had to go to the bathroom get over to that McDonald's. I'm like, I'm trying to apologize here. This is rare. You need to take advantage of it. You know, so, uh, so we're okay. And I did ask his permission to share that story. And he said, it was, he said it was okay. God gave mercy. The other driver did. Of course, I should have given mercy. The happiest people on earth are those that are quick to forgive. And so we have to choose. Do we want to embrace God's plan, which includes a lot of joy and peace? But there are other ways to find that joy. Jesus says in verse eight, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Right? A blessed person lets their, their purity of heart focus on the Lord, right? Focus on him. And so when we are focused on seeking God, when we say no matter where we are in life, what does it look like for us to pursue God? Not perfection, but just saying in these crazy scenarios we find ourselves in, what does it look like to seek God? The promise is that we will receive a deeper relationship with him and in his presence is fullness of joy. And so of course it leads to happiness. So somebody who is pure at heart is someone who has had their heart purified by Jesus. We confess our sins 
and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It's not a perfect Pharisee. It's someone who is progressing towards Jesus saying, Lord, in this moment, how can I focus on you? The word purity, you know, they would have thought at that time, ritual purity. We think of, when we say the word purity, we think of like sexual purity sometimes. But the word purity there, really think, think of purity as an unmixed, single-mindedness, you know, consistent. It's like water before you add any mix to add flavor to it. We need to be single-minded in our focus on God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? In this scenario, each scenario we're in, we can say, I know God can help me thrive with him. What does it look like here? And so the wonderful reward of closeness with God is what should inspire us. It's not that we might get caught and it would be embarrassing to be caught in our sin. It's not even the consequences of our sin. Those are two good reasons to not sin, right? But we need to have closeness in our relationship with God because sin is polluting. As we give, over, give our lives over and over to sin, we don't think about God. We're fully distracted away from God and we're focusing on the sins that pollute and cloud our minds. So sins of lust and pride and, and, and whatever it is, we are polluted in a way, idolatry, not thinking about God, but thinking about something else. And so naturally, when we choose to be vulnerable with God, honest with him, and we repent of our sins and he cleanses our hearts again from all unrighteousness, we see more clearly. Right? We, we, have a, we have a closer relationship with God as we stop this breaking of fellowship with him with our sin and we're restored in that moment with him. And so we can see the Lord as we're doing this. We're a bit freer from the pollution as we repent. And so sin has this polluting, clouding, kind of blinding effect on us that makes us forget all about God. And that's when we get into some real trouble. Experience this on Sunday. I'm here for three services and we get back, we have two families over our house and we're enjoying uh, meeting them. That's been a ton of fun. But then after that, when they leave, I think, well, you know, I deserve some me time right now, you know? And, and so I, I, I sit on the couch in this beautiful spot where I just feel like so relaxed. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna look some stuff up on the, on the phone. And my kids were in like super annoying 12, like out of 10 level, where they were, they were obsessed with wanting to watch a particular movie. A couple days earlier, we had let Titus choose the movie because he felt like he was never getting to choose the movie. And we promised the older two that they would get to choose their movie. We never said when. So now they're pressuring us. And they kept on saying, dad, 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 uh, you know, Watching movies can be, you know, healthy for you. You're like, what are you talking about? And they're giving excuse after excuse, like three times a minute for a few minutes. And so I'm laying there. Abigail's in the room with me. The boys are in a different room. And I'm really just wanting to like look at my phone for a few minutes. It feels like that would be relaxing, not, not pour into my precious daughter who's sitting three feet behind me, literally. And so finally she goes, Dad. And I go, Abigail, would you knock it off? Which is not in any parenting manual to say that to your children. Here's what she says. She starts crying and says, Dad, I was just gonna ask you if you would pray with me to help me to, to, to do better with my relationship with mom because she had been arguing with mom a little bit. And she was asking me for prayer to help her repent so she could have a better, and I said, knock it off. So in her mind, oh, my dad will pray with me, knock it off. So now there's this connection of knock it off whenever she thinks of prayer. I'm like, <laughs> Oh my, I threw my phone down, ran over, grabbed her, started crying and hugging her and saying, you are, so, you are so sweet and right. The Holy Spirit told you to say that. I sinned in that. And she agreed. She agreed. She's right, Dad, you did sin. Like, easy. Shannon walks in and walks right out because she's like, something's going on. Something's going on in here. 
My, my sin, now you think, oh, everyone deserves to rest. Yeah, but I'm, I'm very, I was very clear in that moment knowing my daughter was a few feet behind me and I could put the phone down and it would be a greater use of my time to spend with her. But I chose the distraction and it blinded me from one of the most beautiful moments I could have with my children, them asking for forgiveness and prayer. Sin will blind us. It's no wonder that we find ourselves so off course in our relationship with God because we're blinded to him as we fill our lives with sin. But blessed are the pure in heart. As we're vulnerable and we confess our sin, not perfection, but confession, then we have a clear path towards the Lord. The happiest people in the world are those that prioritize God. It'll look different for all of us, but those that prioritize God have joy in their lives. We're gonna put our discipleship pathway up on the screen right now because, well, how do I prioritize God? Well, this is how you can prioritize God at Cornerstone. This is how we can partner with you. If you feel like you're in a rut, you're stagnant, you're wanting more growth, then, then we would all say, well, are, are you connected to our discipleship pathway? Do you know God? Are you growing with others? Are you using your gifts? Are you helping the hurting? Right, this is what we've identified as a, a church's good partnership with people, knowing God through a personal commitment, receiving Jesus in your life, choosing to follow him and be baptized, and then, and then growing that relationship in, in weekly worship on Sundays. And so know God, grow with others. And that could be in classes. We've got Explore the Bible happening across the, the way right now. Classes our master classes we have for parenting and, and marriages, or life groups where for eight weeks you're really getting to know new people to church and making a big church feel smaller as you're, as you're connecting with others, and discipleship groups that are year-long commitments with just three to four other people. And you think, well, that is, that is a commitment. Yeah, but there is great growth when you have such friendship and trust in a group surrounded by the scriptures and, and prayer that eventually you just feel open, sharing how you're really doing and people can, can pour into you as you pour into them and there's been great growth in that. Using your gifts and serving regularly and, and giving faithfully. It was, it was mind-blowing watching the servants at VBS. I'm still trying to think of what an appropriate vacation would be to send Shannon alone on uh, for serving that whole week. It's, it looks exhausting and yet they're all saying the same thing. We're so tired, but that was so fun. That was such joy and the fruit of 143 kids choosing Jesus with a lot of anecdotal evidence of how real that really was. I mean, amazing to serve the Lord and you, you get to meet other people and, and you see the Lord closer as you're doing that. And then helping the hurting by spreading hope in neighborhoods and nations. And so we've got four times a year where we, we do like an all church. Hey, we need to be serving our communities. We've got a prayer time for our communities specifically that, that is happening just in a, in a few weeks that you can sign up for. And so four times a year, serving the community and some, some maybe more than that, serving the nonprofits uh, monthly. And then the nations. Today, after the third service, Pastor Mark, who's gonna be the cleanest missionary ever by the time he's done baptizing for three services, is going to head to Mexico with another team to build another house uh, this next coming week as we try and serve the nations and give them gospel hope. And so if you're feeling stagnant, you feel like, man, I'm trying this Christianity thing, but it's not really working, Odds are it's trying, trying Sundays, but that's nowhere in the Bible to try Sundays, right? We need to be deeply connected to the Lord. This is how we think we can partner with you. And I'd hope you'll give that a look and it's on our website and, and say, what does the Lord have for me for my next steps? And so you're blessed when you aim for a pure heart. God will clean your conscience and the devil will not have a foothold to any guilt that he can use against you because of what Jesus has done. But Jesus also says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. 
children of God, this is an amazing promise that if we choose to make peace, right? If, we, if we're a part of restoring broken relationships with people in God and people with people, if we do that, we'll be recognized as true children of God because this is what the Father does. This is, this is what Jesus does. And so it will be obvious if you're a part of God's family, look at the focus you have on reconciliation. It doesn't say, blessed are the peace seekers. It says, blessed are the peacemakers. It's not about you having peace in this verse, although that's, there's plenty in the Bible about that. You're blessed as you make peace. Blessed are the peace seekers just means you're on vacation, right? You're like, I just need some peace. I just need some peace of mind right now. That's fine, resting is good. But this promise is for the peacemakers because there's nothing more joyful, joy-inducing than reconciliation as you're a part of connecting people to God and reminding people that are, that, are, that are broken in their relationships towards each other, that the common ground that they have with Jesus is greater than the issue they have, that is full of joy. And so part of this is spreading the gospel, sharing the good news with other people. And Paul tells us to do this in 2 Corinthians 5.18. He says, this is our ministry. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's a ministry that we all have of saying, we need to reconcile people to their creator, point people to the hope that they can have in trusting in Jesus. Or it's with other people, aiming for peace, whether we're the one offended or we're the offender, right? That we aim for peace in those situations and say, you know what, it's just not worth it. We've got to come together. We honor Jesus by coming together despite our decisions, despite the pain we cause each other. We honor what Jesus did on the cross. The happiest people in the world are those that broker peace deals with others. Peacemakers, not peace seekers. I'm gonna put a quote by John Stott on the screen for us to look at that just reminds us there's only two camps. There's only two positions to really take in the world. It is the devil who is a troublemaker. That's, that's one option. We can join him in being troublemakers. It is the devil who is a troublemaker. It is God who loves reconciliation and who now through his children, as formerly through his only begotten son, is bent on making peace. Those are the two options we have. We can be a peacemaker or a troublemaker. And sometimes even as Christians, we're like, well, my loyalty to this person is the most important thing. No, it's your loyalty towards God who wants you to make peace. So we can be loyal to a brother or sister in Christ and then be a part of slander and gossip and further separating people because we're so loyal to our friend. When our loyalty should be towards the Lord where we tell our friend, no, there, there needs to be reconciliation here. Blessed are the peacemakers. Those are the ones that are gonna be recognized as true children of God. So we get to choose our team, troublemaker, peacemaker. Right? We, we get to make the decisions about whether or not we're going to embrace this unexpected joy in the Beatitudes or not. But it's a daily decision. Paul says this in Galatians 5. I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Be intentional in walking in the Spirit and you won't do that. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with one another so that you are not able to do whatever you want. Right? The Spirit and the flesh are in opposition. You've got the world, the flesh, and the devil on team troublemaker, and you've got the spirit on this team peacemaker. We get to make the choices, right? Each day we look at temptation and say, Lord, lead me not into temptation or I'm all in with this temptation. And then we have consequences and we reap what we sow and we, we kind of create these destructive patterns in our life that the Lord wants to free us from. We get to choose our team. 
And a crazy happy life is dependent on the choices that we make by God's strength. And so even when you don't feel like you have the strength to choose contrary to your flesh, you can say, Lord, give me the strength. And he's happy to do that. It's important for us to make those decisions each day because some days are harder than others in making the decision to follow Jesus. Look at how Jesus gives us one last beatitude here in verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say falsely all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. People will come against Christ in you, right? Your witness for Jesus. People will be in opposition towards that, but you are rewarded with heaven and a reward in heaven, right? Jesus is saying this is personally. He finally uses the word you instead of those. Blessed are those. He said, blessed are you. So important to realize a happy life in Christ isn't an easy life doesn't mean that it's easy and, and pain goes away. The Beatitudes point to all these beautiful places to find joy. And it makes sense. You're like, yeah, the peacemaker thing makes sense. The merciful thing makes sense. But then he says, but blessed are you if you're persecuted and people insult you. And it doesn't make sense anymore. The blessings end with a life of persecution. And we really have to say, what is Jesus doing here? But, but Jesus is being radically realistic he doesn't say, if you're happy in me, everything's going to go wonderful. He doesn't say that. He says, even when things are bad and you're making the right choices and you're being persecuted for making the right choices, even then rejoice and be glad. Rejoice. This is being persecuted for righteousness sake, not just because you're acting like a jerk. Like if you're just being mean to people and then people come against you like, well, you know, should be less mean to people. Right? We speak the truth, but we speak it in love, tactfully. So this just happened last school year to my nephew in New Jersey, I found out when I was on vacation, where uh, my, my sister, who's a librarian and loves the Lord, but very reasonable, when she saw that a particular book was being required to be read, she said, well, he can't, he can't read that. He's way too young to, to read this book. And so as a librarian, she like offers multiple other books that aren't even Christian, but are just age appropriate. And the response from the teacher was, okay, well, he can just sit in the hallway every time we discuss this book. That's persecution, right? To say, oh, you're the one Christian that's not going to just read and let us tell you what your kids should really know no matter how young they are. And they, the appropriate response is go sit in the hallway. Obviously she had to jump in and say, no, there's other ways to solve this. He's not gonna go sit in the hallway as 23 other people you know, stare at him. But they, they took a stand for righteousness in love, tactfully, not raising their voices, and God, God is going to bless them for that. It happens. We're not to be surprised. 1 John 3.13 says, don't be surprised if the world hates you, right? We shouldn't be surprised by it. If, if we're never speaking the truth, we're never being a witness, and no one ever follow, finds out that we really are a Christian deep down inside, then yeah, you can, you can avoid this passage, right? But that's, that's not what we want. We want other people to find the joy and the freedom in Christ that we've experienced. So we have to say something. But just the very fact that we identify with Jesus will cause people to be on edge. We believe that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. That's a highly offensive statement to many people. That means that we really believe the only way to heaven, to be in a right relationship with God, is through God's son, Jesus, and what he did on the cross. What is that? Think about what the reverses were saying. 
We're, we're saying this is the only way. Your way actually isn't going to lead to, that's offensive to people. Are we gonna not say that? Well, sometimes we're tempted not to because of the pain of, of persecution. But Jesus says, when they do all these things, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. And then he says, for in the same way, they persecuted the prophets. For 2000 years, there have been people that have been persecuted because of their faith in Jesus. And each one of them, God gave the strength to endure, to lovingly focus on him. For people that are, that are to be defined by love, Jesus says, you will know they are my disciples by their love, right? They love one another. We're described instead as bigots, as those that hate entire classes of people. And we're standing in the way of progress towards real, like a really beautiful society. There's, a, there's increasing hostility towards those that believe the scriptures and what Jesus says. We know that our goal is to be loving, to be kind, to be, to be merciful as we express our opposing thoughts. The temptation is not to express them at all, but Jesus is saying, I have helped all the prophets, all the apostles. I have helped everyone that has stood for me and I can help you. You were made for this moment. Yeah, we shouldn't be surprised when the world hates us, but Jesus also said in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We are overcomers if we are Christ followers. As weak and frail and nervous as we may feel, we are overcomers because even if our body is weak, frail, nervous, and scared of the opposition, the spirit of God dwells inside the Christ follower who has been born again. That's power. That's power that we have. The gospel is powerful that we can have joy despite our circumstances. But we have to be careful not to look for happiness in all the wrong places. There's a passing pleasure to sin. Sometimes it makes sense. Of course, this is what my body, my mind needs to recover from a tough week. And if I just do these things and, and not the neutral stuff, but you start crossing into sinful territory or wasting your life or being apathetic to the, the cause of Christ, that's not where we're gonna find joy. That's not gonna bless us. That's not, it. Jesus is begging us to live a happy life. The blessed life is found in unexpected but clearly announced places. We have to make the decision today if we're going to follow Jesus in this or continue down a, a destructive path. That's not an easy thing to do, so let me pray for us. Father, Lord, I, I feel the same temptations that all of us do to not follow you at certain times. And I can justify it in my mind that, well, I'm too tired to follow you or uh, you know, I, I, this is gonna feel good. And Lord, we need the strength to resist temptation, even if it's the temptation to, to not say anything because we wanna be peace seekers, not peacemakers. Lord, help us as, as we've studied these Beatitudes, help us to see that a life following Jesus is the most satisfying life that we could ever have and give us the strength to do that. And that likely means we take one particular step this week, or we ask you for prayer to do that, or we connect with the church and the discipleship pathway. Lord, you, you show us, your Holy Spirit, Lord, show us how you want us to respond in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Invest the worship team to come up and close us in a song about the Beatitudes that is beautiful, but also want to give an opportunity for each of us to receive prayer today. And so I'm asking that if there's a burden on your heart, that you would come forward and share it with our prayer team up front so that we can lift that up to the Lord and you can leave here free of guilt 
and full of joy because of how good God is. Would you stand with me as we worship the Lord and please come forward for prayer?